Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday, December 10th edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. Going solo today for the Bellator preview, I'll be uh, previewing tonight's Bellator 254 card. That is tonight, Thursday night. So uh, there's a lot of fights to talk about on that card. There's also been a lot of fight announcements lately, so I'll get through them. We haven't had much time to talk about them on the show lately, so I'll do that. Uh, There's some updates to this weekend's UFC 256 card that are definitely worth talking about. And of course, there's some news and notes, like Yoel Romero is still out there in the news for his free agency and some other things that are worth talking about, including some more roster cuts from the UFC. So there is a lot to talk about today. Um, I want to start off by giving a plug to MAOddsVicker.com. That, of course, is the home of the podcast. So I want to pull that up here. Give them the uh, OB some love. So go to the main page, obviously, of the podcast right now. But I do want to plug this. Um, there's three Cage Warriors cards this week. There's one today, there's one tomorrow, and there's one Saturday. So three Cage Warriors Fighting Championships cards, and I'll have uh, opening odds for all those cards. I won't be previewing those cards on today's uh, podcast. It's just That's just way too many fights. That's like That'd be like 50 fights to preview. So it's not possible for you to do that. But uh, definitely check out my opening odds articles for the Cage Warriors fights. Again, 117 is tonight, and then, or I should say today, actually, and then uh, 118 is tomorrow, and then 119 on Saturday. So crazy week for European MMA. If you love Cage Warriors, then, I mean, it's nothing better. They call it the Trilogy, three uh, events in a row, and lots of titles online as well. So it should be pretty good. And Doug Murray's actually asked, what time does Cage Warriors prelims start today? That's a good question, Doug. I'll just pull it up on uh, MMA Junkie, because usually they used to show it. I don't know if they do anymore, but let's see what they say here. Cage Warriors, number 17. Go see it on their website. Let me check here. I do want to know myself, actually. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time finding it. Let's check combat press. We might have the time. Okay, here we go. 3 p.m. There you go, Doug. 3 p.m. Eastern time. That's when the card starts today. So Doug had a question about cage words. 3 p.m. Eastern time, uh, according to combat press. And the main card's at 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's on Fight Pass if you want to watch Cage Warriors. So definitely check that out. Cage Warriors, great promotion. Ian Dean, great matchmaker. Lots of fighters have obviously come to the UFC. So that's what we're talking about. But I do want to start with this. Bellator 254. Got the opening odds here for the card. The odds have shifted a lot since they opened on like Monday. Like I got to give the odds makers credit. They did get the odds out early. Earlier than usual. I mean, they usually come out the day of or the day before for Bellator. They got them out Monday, which was good to see. And then, of course, I also have uh, my UFC odds. But we talked about UFC 256 on Tuesday. If you missed it, go back and check Tuesday's podcast. It was a good podcast. Let's talk about Bellator 254. So, again, the opening odds are there, but I want to pull out Tapology just because it's uh, a lot easier to uh, go through the fight like that. Let's pull it up here. There, Bellator 254. Doug said thanks. No worries, Doug. I was curious as well. Remember, it's like, what, five-hour time difference, I think, to England? So... 3 p.m. is like 8 o'clock. It's normal start time. All right, Bellator 254. Let's get into this card. And, you know, like most Bellator cards, they, it, a lot of these prelims are just, according to the odds makers, mismatches. Um, man, you know, it's it's risky to lay this kind of juice on some of these guys. But let's get through this card. Uh, let's start with the first one here. Cameron Lachinov against Shamil Nakiev. And I actually, yeah, we actually do have odds now. There weren't some originally, but they have them now. Right now, uh, the, the odds open at Shamil Nakiev minus 500. Cameron Lachinov plus 375, and the odds are a little bit down now, almost half of what they opened at, plus, uh, minus 255 for Nikiev, plus 215 for Lachinov. So let's get into this fight. 
Cameron Latchett, actually, I'll start with the favorite here. And uh, Nikki, I've, let's go through this. Shamil Nikki, of the Chechen Wolf, 9 0, 25 years old, uh, Berkut FC guy, Russian fighter, obviously Chechen. Let's go through his record here. All right, it's ACB guy. Uh, they call him Little Fedor. That's according to the to the uh, the slug up here. It's Little Fedor, which is a, used to be an awesome nickname, I guess. But either way, you look at this guy's record. I mean, it's it's impressive, man. I mean, nine and zero, and a lot of wins in ACB. A lot by decision, though, which you don't love to see. You like to see a guy get finishes, but still, I mean, you look at this resume. He's been fighting as a pro for almost ten years, and he's undefeated. So there's something to be said about that. I mean, the guy, according to this, the guy's been fighting as a pro since he was sixteen, which is very possible in Russia. So I mean. It's time that he is in the UFC. He does have a look at this win. This is a, these are nice wins. Christos Yagos. I'm not saying Christos is a great fighter, but he was in the UFC for a while. That's a pretty good win. And then uh, Alexander Tiger Sarnovsky. He's a longtime Bellator fighter. That's a nice win too. Again, by split decision. So that's not great, but still he beat them. Let's look at this guy, Cameron Lachinov. Ten and two record, killer chem. Thirty years old, a little bit older, American fighter. Team Link, so you'd be training with those guys like, uh, I guess, like Gonzaga and stuff, right, over at Team Link. He used to be there. They don't have any fighters back, uh, listed. Anyways, going through his resume, I mean, I just remember fighting last month against, uh, or two months ago against Kyle Kruckbert. That was a fight that a lot of people thought this guy lost, but he pulled off the upset. So, I mean, good for him because he pulled off the upset, but the majority of people I talked to thought he lost that fight. You look through his resume, I mean, the guy's, been, again, he's a longtime veteran of the sport, too, since fighting since 2013. Uh, lost to Eric Spicely, former UFC fighter, but he's been fighting in Bellator mostly since then. Also, some other promotions in uh, Northeastern United States. Most part, he's been pretty uh, successful. You look at the resume and eight straight wins now, including the winner over Crutch Brain. He's got a lot of experience in Bellator, too. So, you know, looking at the opening line at minus 500, it was too high. And I could definitely see why there are some people taking a shot on Lachinov here. He's absolutely a live dog for sure. You know, me personally, this is not a fight I'm interested in betting on. There's just not enough information about Naki at, at, at this level of the sport. Uh, I know he has some good wins in ACB. I get that. But Bellator is a different beast. So we'll see what happens in this fight. It's more, for me, one you can watch. Uh, and I, I kind of can see why people were betting on Lachinov because you look at the, the run he's been on, the momentum is, is high. And like whatever Kruckner, I know that he probably lost that fight, guys. But still, like the fact that he did get the judge's decision but unanimously is pretty impressive. So he obviously did something right in that fight. I'm still going to go with Nikiev. He seems like a really good prospect, but you know, for me, it's it's not a fight I'd be willing to, to risk minus 255 and a guy that I'm not too sure about still. All right, let's go to the next fight. Maurice Jackson is Grant Neal. You thought that line was high. I mean, you look at this one, and right now, okay, so Grant Neal opened at minus 215, Maurice Jackson plus 175. And right now, we have Grant Neal at minus 900, Maurice Jackson plus 600. So that's that's a crazy line. And you know, for me, again, I just keep telling people, like, you got to be careful with these huge lines in Bellator. We saw a few weeks ago with that Gracie guy that lost. He was, like, what, minus 800? And everyone happened in the parlay and he lost. It, it does seem like an, an easy way out sometimes just to parlay a couple big favorites and, and to get even money or something. And, and oftentimes it does cash out. But, you know, if you're going to do that, in my opinion, you got to be laying juice on guys that are proven fighters. These guys are very unproven. I, I, I honestly – I just can't see how this guy got steamed up to minus 900. Like, what am I missing here? Let's take a look at him. Grant Neal. This isn't Jeff Neal. <laughs> it's like, are people confused? They think it's Jeff Neal. It's Grant Neal. Anyways, 4-0, he's a Genesis guy. So, I mean, he's training with a good camp. And you look at his resume in Bellator so far, 3-0. 4-0 um, in his career. But, like, who's his best win? Hamza Salim? Like, he, his wins are not great. He has been fighting as an amateur before that. Uh, Colorado, Colorado regional scene and stuff. Like, but, again, the level of competition guys. Like, who are these guys? You know? So, to me, 
how is he minus 900? I just don't see it, you know? Uh, and for the most part, this, this is a guy that a lot of people seem to just be throwing in a parlay and maybe he does win. But to me, it's like, I wouldn't even risk it, you know? Look at Maurice Jackson here, 7-2 record. They call him the Hulk. Jackson Wink guy, so he trains with a good camp too. And, you know, I'm not saying Melvin Glord's an amazing fighter because he's not, and he's definitely up there in age, but that's a better win than anything Niels ever did. That is a better win on paper. So, yeah, I mean, Glard's is like a shell of his former self, and I don't even know if he's fighting anymore, but still, that's not a bad win to have in your resume. He did lose this guy, Andrew Kappel. He's in Bellator as well. That's not a great loss. I, I don't know, guys. I mean, listen, like, the odds are what they are for a reason. Neil seems to be this prospect that everyone's super high on, and he seems like a good prospect. Like, I'm going to pick him. I'm not going to go crazy here and, and pick uh, plus 600 dog. I'm just saying, like, how could you lay a minus 500 on Neil when you're facing off against a guy like this and Jackson, who does have KO power? And again, Neil is super improvement. Four fights. Like, I don't know. I Again, it's not my style to lay minus 500. I prefer just to look for, you know, low favorites or dogs. Like, that's to me the best way to bet. But again, everyone has their own ways of betting. I get that. It's just that I've been doing this for a long time. And you made nine minus 500 favorites I've seen lose over the years a lot, especially when they're unproven guys. You know, in this case, again, Neil probably does win. I just wouldn't lay that minus 900. All right, next fight, Romero Cotton against Justin Sumter. This is a pretty good fight, actually. I like this one. Uh, right now, okay, Romero Cotton actually opened as a minus 155 favorite. And right now, he's actually minus uh, 245. So he got steamed up a bit. And then Sumter opened plus 125. And Justin Sumter right now is plus 205. Let's take a look at these guys. So Romero Cotton, 4-0, wrestling-based uh, fighter, obviously. Been fighting as a pro since 2017, and all his wins and fights coming in Bellator. Hasn't fought in a year, which is definitely something to be concerned about. But, you know, three of these wins by stoppage, that's pretty nice to see. And he does have the wrestling background, obviously. The, the layoff concerns me. I don't love that. But, you know, this is uh, – well, we're seeing right here, he was supposed to fight Sumter back in March as a canceled card. I think that was the Pitbull card, the first one. So – He's been training for this guy for a while, so he should know what to do in this fight, I would assume. Sumter, I mean, listen, like, the guy, he's got some talent, 7-3 record, 31-year-old fighter. He has some talent. That's why he kept getting these shots at Contender Series, because you look through his resume, and he, I mean, he's been Belter like, a few times, actually, but uh, some of his wins were really nice coming up, and then he goes to Contender Series, and both his fights, he got smoked. And he was a big favorite in this fight against Mackie Patolo, and he got just destroyed in that fight. So I can't trust him. I actually think Cotton's not a bad bet here, guys. I think Cotton's someone to take a look at. I, like, for me, I look at Cotton, I wish I got that minus 155 at, uh, at the opener. But either way, I mean, to me, like, I would rather play him than someone like Grant Neal just because the line difference. And also because I, I feel like Sumter's a guy you can fade a little bit here. He, he was really disappointing when he stepped up in competition, guys. And Cotton, I know he doesn't have a lot of experience, but I think he'll be able to control this fight. So... That's my pick. And I'd love to see other people uh, throw their picks and opinions in the comments too while I go through this card. It'd be cool to see. But yeah, I do like Cotton in that fight. So again, you know, I'm picking the favorites here. But again, you know, for me, of the three favorites that I've picked so far, uh, Cotton is the one I'm more confident in. All right, next up, Kenny Champion against Cody Law. And the odds right now, wow, crazy odds again. Okay, wow, this is nuts. Cody Law opened at minus 180. Kenny Champion opened at plus 150. Right now, Cody Law is minus 750. Kenny Champion is plus 525. I mean, that is just – that's crazy, man. Like, I don't get it. Every week it seems like in Bellator, these low favorites on the premiums get steamed to crazy numbers. So I don't know if the books just adjusted really heavily after some initial action or what. But 
to me, it's kind of nuts. All right, let's go. Let's go to Kenny Champion and Cody Law here. Cody Law, one and zero as a pro. I think he just fought recently, right? Yeah, he just fought two months ago. I remember talking about him, and I think he was a massive favorite there, and he did win the fight. But I was saying like, hey, this guy's no pro fights. Be careful. He did win that fight. He looked amazing in that fight, getting a submission in the first round. But you know, still very improving guy. I mean, he listen. He's got a lot to like about him. He's American top team fighter, twenty five years old. There's a lot to like. But again, that was his only pro fight. He did look good as an amateur, which we did talk about. I remember when we uh, broke down this fight, but you know, it, to me, it's the exact same fight, like almost in a way. I don't know how you can bet on a guy at minus 750 here who's got one pro fight. To me, that just seems stupid. Like I'd rather look for a different spot and then look at his opponent here, Kenny Champion, 2-0. So he's got two fights, Massachusetts-based fighter. Both of his wins by knockouts in Premier FC, but the guys he beat were terrible fighters, 5-19 and 1-3. So what does that tell you about it? I don't know. Again, I'm going to pick Law. I'm not going to go crazy and, and pick a massive dog, but there's no way I lay minus 750 on Law. That's crazy. That's crazy to me. There's no way. You know, I, I definitely feel like I'm a little bit more selective than, than some people are when it comes to betting just because I have a lot of experience doing this and I've been burned so many times with these big favorites. But for me, it's like I wouldn't, this is even a guy I would even look at. Minus 750 for guys, one fight, no chance. He'll probably win the fight, but there's no way. And honestly, if Champion goes in and knocks him out, I mean, if you bet on law, it's kind of like your own fault, in my opinion. But it is what it is. We'll see what happens. All right, next up, Hobson Gracie Jr. against Billy Goff. And uh, <laughs> another crazy line. Hobson Gracie Jr. opened at minus 600. Billy Goff opened at plus 425. Right now, the line's held pretty steady. Minus 525 and plus 415, respectively. Again, you know, he should win. You look at uh, Hobson Gracie Jr., 3-0. 31 years old, and he's won all three of his fights in Belgium by stoppage. But again, remember the other Gracie guy that lost a few weeks ago? He was like the same line, and it's it's nuts to me. You look at Billy Goff, two and two. I mean, this seems like a tailored main matchup. He's he's young though; he's 22, so he can definitely improve. But you look at his uh, record, and he's lost his last two fights, and he goes in there and fights one of their top prospects. Like it's pretty clear what Bellator is doing here. I, I I'm pretty confident Gracie gets the win in this fight, guys. Like I wouldn't even touch Goff personally, but Again, you know, minus seven, or what is it? Minus 525, like, I don't know. To me, it's just like, I, I don't like lines like this. They're just too high for me, you know? I'm more of a guy that prefers to place a single bet than uh, parlays. You can't do parlays, but when it's like minus seven, minus 500, minus 700, these guys, they're so unproven. I, I, you got to look for betting value too, and there's just no value. All right, next up, we'll go to the main card. I should mention, one fight did fall off at the uh, the weigh-ins, and that was the Goiti Yamauchi versus Nate Andrews fight. That would have been a good fight, and the odds for that closed at minus 345, plus 285 before it got taken off the uh, the odds because Yamauchi missed weight by 6.8 pounds. Like, he missed weight bad, and Nate Andrews and his team said, we're not going to take the fight. I'll blame them. That's a big weight. That's almost seven pounds, right? That, that's, almost, that's a different weight class. Yamauchi has to fight at um, welterweight now, according to Mike Mazzulli. So that's unfortunate because Yamauchi's good. I, I think he probably would have won that fight. It would have been a good fight, though. But, uh, yeah, I mean, 6.8 pounds. You can't blame him for uh, Nate Andrews for declining to fight him. Now, instead of that fight, we have this fight taking place on the main card. It's a heavyweight belt between Davion Franklin and Anthony Garrett. And right now, the odds for this fight, the open at – Man, it opened as a pick-up, essentially. Minus 130 for Franklin, plus 100 for Garrett. And right now, I'm looking at the odds. Minus 355 and plus 295. So once again, another line that got steamed up. I mean, again, you know, it's a guy with two fights, and he's now a huge favorite. I don't know. 
let's take a look at him. Devion Franklin all day, 2-0, 26 years old, Jackson Wingfire. I mean, this guy's got some some hype. He's got some promise, two two wins in Bellator. But, I mean, like, J.W. Kaiser, this guy is is, is not good. 5-4 and four record, 41-year-old fire. Like, he's not he's not good, you know? Remember, Jake Hager destroyed him. He, look at this. Ultimate blue corner battle is one of the promotions he fought for. I mean, this guy's not great. Look how many losses he has. So that's not a good win by by any means. And then Ray Sultan is a little bit of a better win, six and five record, but still essentially a 500 fighter. So to me, it's like, yeah, there's some hype behind this dude, but he hasn't proven anything. He's, he's beat two guys that are mediocre fighters. Anthony Garrett, five and two record. Lionheart, they call him. I guess he stole Anthony Smith's nickname. He better be tough like Smith is. Uh, you look at his record. Oh my god! And he's five and two. But look at his his last wins also over J.W. Kaiser. This guy. Okay, this is like uh, I don't want to bash this dude. I mean, listen, like the guy is he's chasing his dream. He's he's a fighter in Bellator, so good for him. But this is the guy you call up when you want your prospect to get a win. This is the guy, J.W. Kaiser. His last two losses literally are to these guys that are both fighting in different promotions too. So. This is this is a fight that Bellator obviously they want to build a new heavyweight prospect at, and they will because someone's going to finish in this fight. And he was looking at Anthony Garrett. I mean, listen, the, the two knockout losses stand out, especially especially this one. You know how quick it was, nineteen seconds. But he does have finishing ability. You've seen that striking and on the ground. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Like to me, again, the odds seem high. I know I keep saying that, guys, but it's like minus three fifty five and a guy with two fights who's beaten two guys who are really bad fighters. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I want to look at the weights for this fight too, um, because I know that it's a heavyweight fight. And they came in at different weights. Check that out. So it was uh, Franklin two sixty four, Garrett two forty one. I'm sure that plays something into the line too. People probably think that Franklin's just going to be too big and strong, and he probably will be. But again, you know, look at Garrett six five, eighty inch reach. I mean, the guy's got physical tools. Do so you like that? But you know, 80-inch reach for Franklin, 2-6-2. I've got to go with Franklin here, guys. I mean, just it seems like they want him to win this fight. But, you know, two fights, heavyweight bout, you never know. You never know. And I know I keep saying that, but, again, I'm looking for some lines that are better. Like, these are all huge lines. I would have taken probably minus 180, though, at the opener. But the line's kind of high now. All right, next up, Linton Vassilov's Ronnie Marks. This is an interesting fight, too, actually. This one, this one could be interesting at the uh, – Odds window. Minus 340 right now for Vassal, plus 280 for Marks. That's up from the opener. Again, this, oh my God. Like, I don't know what's going on with these Beltra lines. Literally every line we've looked at today, guys, have been has been steamed by like a couple hundred cents. This is insane. A couple dollars. This is crazy. Vassal went from minus 155 to minus 360. Marks opened at plus 125. He's plus 280 now. That's crazy. Like, this, this line got steamed again by double. Now, I will say that I think Vassal opened too low, minus 155, because you look at Vassal, and he's an older guy, 37, and he's kind of struggled a little bit in Bellator, but he is coming off a massive knockout win over Karatanov. That's a nice win, and you've seen him get some other good wins in Bellator, McGeary, Carmont, Newton, Sokaju. Like, he's been around Bellator for a while. He has lost a few times. This was a bad loss to Phil Davis one where he got kicked in the head. But overall, I mean, this is a guy who's a decent fighter, man. He's been around for a while, so he's a guy that uh, I, I like as a fighter. And at minus 155, that would have been tempting, but now at minus, again, 340 that is that's nuts and you look at marks i'm not saying marks is great and he's got a lot of issues with this game but there are some things like him. you know he's a little bit younger five years younger and uh maybe at heavyweight he'll have some more success this is a guy who's had a lot of issues cutting weight a lot of canceled fights you look at his career it's been such a disappointment because 
I remember when he came in the UFC, like you look at through his early resume, it was nice, man. He uh, He's a guy that had a lot of hype. And you look at some of the wins coming up, the Paulo Filo win got him in the UFC. And then he had some good wins. Like at the time, Famawa was an okay fighter. Simpson was a good wrestler. Craig was a decent prospect. He lost to Romero. He lost to Santos. He was a massive favorite against Diego Santos, by the way. And then he got cut. They cut him, and he's kind of struggled since then. Went to WSOF, King of the Cage, M1, PFL. That's where he most recently was. He hasn't fought in a while because of kind of weight issues and, and other issues. Event canceled coronavirus, that one. Barnett failed drug test. That's not his fault. Barnett not medically cleared. So not all of it's his fault, but he hasn't fought in a year and a half. Having said that, I, I think he's got a chance to win this fight, honestly. Like, Vassal is a decent fighter. He is the better fighter, I think. He's the better mixed martial artist, so I will pick Vassal here. But he's got problems with his chin. Marks has a little bit of power. He could finish him. And if the fight goes to the ground, Marks could go on top of him and, and possibly get a submission. I doubt it, but you never know. By the way, Marty Muxford, Joe Ward in a, in a grappling competition, that is like 100-pound-plus 100, 100 weight difference. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I think Vassal probably has got the job done, guys, but I wouldn't lay that juice, you know. Uh, Marks at plus 280, you know, if you're a dog better. Could be worth a shot. I think I'll pass myself, but I think that line's a little nuts. Now, the next fight, I keep saying all these favorites are like not justified. I think the next guy might be justified because you look at Magomed Magomedov and the line for this fight, it opened at minus 500 and plus 375. Now it's minus 350 plus 290. So of all the fights in the card, they all went like from minus 150 to like minus 550. This one actually went from minus 500 to minus 350. So the line went down, which is very surprising because – I look at Megamedov and I wonder why this guy's not in the UFC. Like, this is a great prospect. 61 record, 20 years old. The only man to defeat Peter Yan. He beat him by decision. He did lose uh, a decision in the rematch, but he beat him in 2016. He hasn't fought in two years, so that's a concern. But overall, I mean, this is a great prospect. This is a blue chip prospect. And I'm surprised the UFC didn't sign this guy. I don't know why they passed on him because clearly he was a free agent for a while. Bellator got a good one, I think, guys. I mean, this guy's really good. He's been fighting as a pro for almost 10 years. Tons of finishes, and again, one loss to Peter Yan and ACB, a five-round fight, a decision. That's it. I mean, this guy's a legitimately elite prospect. So I, I love Magomed Magomedov. This is an amazing sign for Bellator. I think he'll do really well. Now, Matthias Matos, his opponent, is actually good too. I mean, he's a good fighter as well, 12 and 1 in one record, um, 20 years old. He's a Brazilian guy. Trains with the Pitbull brothers, so you got to love that. Also, two-year layoff, also an ACB guy, which is funny, also lost to Peter Yan and ACB. So that's kind of ironic. I mean, this guy, he, there's some stuff to like about him, no doubt about it. Again, he's been fighting as a pro for almost 10 years. He's got some nice wins. Uh, not name value-wise, really, but some nice wins, like as far as the way he finished the fights. And, I mean, he's fought an ultimate fight result. Look at this. He fought uh, a couple of guys in there. And he did lose, but he did, he did get that experience. So he's been around for a while. But, again, the two-year layoff worries me. I just feel like Matos is a good prospect, but and I'm surprised they're matching up with Magomedov because, to me, Magomedov's like, you talk like Belter's bandwidth division is actually really good. This is the guy that could be the champion, I think, in Megamedov. I like him, guys, in this fight. And the fact the line went down makes me like him even more. It opened in minus 500 and went down to minus 250. That's what I'm talking about. You know, all these other fights, minus 180 to minus 900 for Grant Neal. Like, no thanks. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play that. But Megamed, Megamedov to go from minus 500 to minus 350, that, that's encouraging. So, this is a guy I'll probably end up playing in a parlay. It's tonight, so I'll have to figure out who to put him with. But I like Magomed, Magomedov in this fight, guys. I do think he wins this fight. And I'll be honest, I think this is the guy who could be the champion in Belter's bandwagon division. I'd love to see him fight Juan Archuleta or Patrick Mix or someone like that. But he's got to get through Matos first. I'm not saying it's like an easy fight because Matos is a good fighter. He's a good prospect. 
but I do think Magomed, Magomedov wins. And I don't mind that line considering it's dropped 150 cents. Saverdra, hey, how's it going, man? He says, Sumter, Matos, and Marcus are, uh, Marcus are pretty live and barking dogs worth the stab. Yeah, I'm with you in the fact that there's a lot of dogs here that are worth like a small play, like like a punt. You know, you can't go crazy. But in Magomed, Magomedos, because I actually really like him in this fight, man. So that's what I like. But I'm with you. Marks could win for sure. And then uh, Sumter, you said, mm, it's possible. But I, again, I kind of like Cotton in that fight too. But uh, yeah, and Marks for sure I do like. All right. Uh, this fight's done. But yeah, man, I'm surprised. Like to me, it's like a guy who's proven himself, who's beat Peter Yan, and his line goes way down. But guys who beat total bums on the regional scene get steamed up to minus 1,000. It just blows my mind sometimes, guys. All right, let's go to the main event. This is the best fight in the card on paper. It's going to be a good fight. I like this one. Alima Lane McFarlane, Delta Women's Flyweight Champion against Juliana Velasquez, undefeated title challenger. This is a great fight. I mean, this is an awesome one. And the line, okay, the line's crazy for this too. So McFarlane opened at minus 200. Velasquez opened at plus 160. And the line right now is completely flipped. Minus 165 Velasquez, plus 145 McFarlane. And I like the dog in this fight, guys. I don't really get the line moving in this one either. This is... This whole card is confusing the hell out of me. Like, what's with this line movement? This is a close fight. Like, let's be honest here. They're both undefeated fighters. Both of them have not shown many flaws in the game. But McFarlane's the champion. McFarlane's the most proven fighter. She's fought better competition. She's been more active. I like McFarlane. I love her as an underdog in this fight. I like her as a favorite. I don't get this line. You know, the, the line right now says she's going to win what? Like, 45% of the time or something like that? Like, I think she wins like 75% of the time. So, to me... This is worth a play. you got to bet on McFarlane as a dog. You have to. There's line value here. Um, even if she loses, I, I would still be comfortable with, that, with making the play. You know, I always think about that in mind. It's like, would I be okay if my bet lost? Yes. Because in this case, I think she opened up as the favorite, rightfully, at minus 200. That's where I think she should have been lined. The fact she's plus 145 is nuts to me. I mean, listen, the Kate Jackson fight was not that impressive, but it wasn't long ago she just she, they cut this girl's face up, Victor Arguega, destroyed Valerie Naturno, Adrian Lara. Like, she's... And she's finished a lot of her fights, too. I like McFarlane, man. How could you not like her? She's a great fighter. I think she'd do really well in the UFC, too. Like, I think she is really good. Like, an elite 125-er, does she beat Valentina? Probably not. But I think she'd be more competitive than a lot of the fighters that Valentina's fought. So, like, I just like her a lot, man. I mean, her ground game's good. Her striking's good. She's got good personality. The layoff sucks. She hasn't fought in almost a year, which is definitely worrisome, but... In general, I, I just think she's such a great fighter. She's so well-rounded. So as a dog here, defending her belt, I don't really get it. I'd love to hear people's thoughts on this fight because I don't understand the line movement, really. Um, Velasquez is good. She's really good, 10-0. She's a little bit older, though, 34 years old. So, I mean, that's something that, to me, is a little bit of a knock against her. And you look at her resume, she hasn't fought in a year two, same card, actually. Um, she's got some okay wins. She has five fights in Bellator and a couple finishes. Essentially the same level of competition for the most part. I think McFarlane's fought a little bit better, but her, her opponents haven't been too bad. Some some actually common opponents like Laura. But to me, it's like, you know, she should be finishing people like Bruna Ellen. She can't finish them. I, I, if she can't finish Bruna Ellen, how is she going to finish Alima Lane McFarlane? She'll have to win a decision in that case. And I'm assuming her game plan here is probably going to be just to wrestle McFarlane, maybe try to strike her from distance, but I don't know about that. Like, I don't know. It, this one is – the line really confuses me. It's like that Vittori and Hermanson line, which I, I got caught speeding on that line last week. 
because I picked Hurrington and and obviously that was a square that was the square side. I mean, no doubt about it. It was. We saw how the fight went. But in this case, like I can't pass on McFarlane at plus one forty five. So I like McFarlane a lot in this fight, guys. As a dog, you have to take a shot on her. I don't see any value in Velasquez as a favorite. I like McFarlane. Give me plus one forty five on the favorite. So that's it for Bellator 254. I mean, it's a pretty decent card. It's not great, but it's not bad either. I think it's the last card of the year. And then Scott Coker said yesterday that uh, they want to come back in like late January. So Bellator will probably start announcing their next couple events soon. They might actually announce it tonight. I could see that happening. Now, let's talk about some news because we've got a lot of news to talk about. And I will start with Bellator, actually. Why not? Let's start with Bellator, man. Because they made a huge signing yesterday when they signed former UFC light heavyweight title challenger, Anthony Johnson. It's not loading up here where it's, it's, where's Rumble? This is a huge signing. I mean, this came out of nowhere. I woke up yesterday. Literally, I woke up. Ariel Hawani tweeted like 8 o'clock in the morning. Where is it? There it is. Anthony Johnson parts ways with UFC signs with Bellator. I mean... Obviously a great sign for Bellator, just because Anthony Johnson is a guy that I, I love. I mean, I love Rumble. Like, how could you not love the guy? He's he's incredible. Rumble Johnson, man. I mean, he's he's the best. He's one of the best ever at 205, at 185, 170. And this is a guy who fought at 170. I remember he fought Dan Hardy, just laid on top of them. But, you know, 36 years old. So it's not the same guy he once was, you know. He's a little bit older now, guys. He's, he's 36. He hasn't fought in four years. Scott Coker says yesterday, he's like, he hasn't fought in, what, two or three years? No, Scott, it's been four, almost four years. More like four years, not two or three, more like four. It's funny how promoters say stuff to, like, make them make them convince themselves of, of a point that's not true. In this case, like, the fact is, he's 36. What does he have left? I don't really know. I mean, the last fight at DC, we all saw that fight. He turtled up and, and got choked out and retired right afterwards. He's been doing, like, uh, at least been working in the marijuana business for a little while now. Listen, I love Rumble, man. I mean, the guy, look at his resume. It's incredible. Like, the amount of knockouts he has. I remember he knocked Orlovsky had a huge bet on that fight back in 2013. Massive bet, WSOF. He was, like, minus 200, minus 250. I put, like, everything I had in that fight on him in that fight. He, he didn't knock him out, but he broke his jaw. And, you know, the UFC picked him back up. And I remember when he turned into a light heavyweight after, you know, some misses at, well, well it's crazy. I fought a welterweight in middleweight. But all, remember this weight miss, 197 in 2012. That was a bad one. But, uh you know, since he came back to the UFC, like the wins were incredible. Phil Davis, Little Nog, Gustafson. This was a brutal knockout. And oh, I remember that one too. I had a big bet on Gustafson in that fight. And Rumble destroyed him. And it was like in the middle of the night in Sweden too. It was crazy. Anyways, Manawa, that was a nice win. Dater. Like, look at all the performance of the Knights. Glover, this was brutal, the Glover win. It's Rumble, guys. He's a beast. But again, you know, these two losses to DC by submission. Rene Kachok, that's his one kryptonite. Five of his losses career by Rear Naked Choke. So that's that's definitely kryptonite. Um I I think though he'll be matched up really like favorably in Bellator. <laughs> They'll find some for him to beat in his first fight. Hopefully, uh hopefully he fights Ryan Bader in a rematch. That's I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. You guys remember that fight a few years ago? He knocked him out the first round. Bader went for like a takedown and, and basically Rumble just started smashing him after that. He got KO'd. It'd be a different fight now. I think Bader's a better fighter. Now the other thing about Rumble is Coker says he could fight at 205 and heavyweight, so two weight classes for him. But, you know, I think he'll start at 205. That makes some sense. And, again, guys like, you know, Phil Davis, a rematch, Ryan Bader, a rematch. Uh, these are fights that could happen. Um, of course, the champion there, Nemkov, that's a fight as well. I think because he hasn't fought in four years, they'll probably give him uh, 
kind of a layup type of fight in his first bout back, but you know, we'll see what happens there. I, I do like the signing. As far as the UFC cutting him, I mean, they didn't really cut him, right? He hasn't fought in four years. So to me, it's like they can't really include him as part of the 60 releases. If they do, it's good for the other fighters because it means one less fighter will be cut. But to me, he's not really part of that 60 group of guys like Romero who was actually ranked because he hasn't fought in forever. Again, I like the signing. I'm a big Rumble Johnson fan, so I think he'll do really well in Bellator against lesser competition. But uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what they, who they match him up with. And I think, again, he'll start at 205, but heavyweight's a very real place for him. And there are some good fights from a heavyweight too, guys. Like, you know, don't laugh, but a, a fight like Fedor versus Rumble, that's a big fight for Bellator. That's one of the biggest fights they can make. Um, a couple other guys there, like, like Rampage, I think he got cut, but that'd be a big fight too. So I know it's not the kind of guys that you want to be fighting Rumble because I'd rather see Rumble fight someone like, you know, Anthony Smith versus Rumble. That'd be a good fight. You know, someone like that, Volkan Uzdemir versus Rumble. Those are the fights I'd rather see, but he's in Bellator and he's there now. And, uh, I wish him the best of luck, man, because I, I really do like Anthony Johnson. He's a, he's a great fighter, and I think he'll do decently well there. Now, the other guy, though, that wasn't signed, and we don't really know what's going on with this guy. It's easier to search him up here. You all Romero, because, you know, it seems like no one wants to sign this guy. I don't get it. Now, I'll talk about that in a second, but you look at this. Scott Coker explains why Bellator wasn't interested in Romero. I, I, I listened to the interview. Nolan King did it. Nolan King's great for junkie. Um, he just basically said, like, you know, I looked at the roster. I really like the roster. I talked to the matchmakers. We we decided to pass on Romero. We're not going to sign him, but we'll keep it in mind in the future. So they're not saying 100% no, but it's like the door's pretty much shut with like a slight crack open. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime now, unless uh, the thing is, it might it might be a money issue. If that's the case, that's different because if that's the case, just go and say it. Say, hey, listen right now with the pandemic, like, I know they probably don't want to admit that publicly, but I think fans and media would respect that answer a little bit more than saying, we don't think he helps the roster because that's fucking bullshit. How does Romero not help Belter's roster? Romero's a beast, guys. Seriously, he's amazing. So these promotions saying this guy's not you know, good enough and, and basically you wouldn't, you wouldn't make or improve our roster and make it better. That's such garbage. I know Romero lost three straight fights. I get that Adesanya fight was complete crap. It was a terrible fight. But he's still one of the best guys in the world, even at age 43. I think they're making a mistake. I think it's a, a big mistake by Bellator not to even pursue him. And whoever gets Romero is going to be lucky because he's a great fighter. He really is, man. And uh, I know he's a, he probably come with a hefty price tag, but I think people would like to watch him fight. Now, the other guy would be uh, BKFC. And Cole interviewed David Feldman. He's their uh, promoter there. They like him. They like Romero. And I think BKFC makes a lot of sense for Romero. Now, I was talking to my friend about it yesterday. He's like, he's like a he's like a hardcore MMA fan, but more of, he's like a casual hardcore. He's not like a he's not media like me. He's just a friend of mine who really enjoys the sport, and knows it. But he goes like, he goes, why would he send a bare knuckle, bro? He's like, he's a wrestler, and I'm like, yeah, he's a wrestler, but dude, he is knuckle power. And bare knuckles like they're paying good money to guys right now. Like his buddy Hector Lombard who's there. I think bare knuckle makes a lot of sense. Now, last night another opp opportunity emerged potentially for Yo Romero. And this is hilarious. Combatchi Americas. They put it out there. They're interested in booking Tito Ortiz versus Romero, and the reaction to this was hilarious. You know, a lot of people just saying it's it's a complete mismatch. And Tito Ortiz, obviously, uh, a veteran of the sport, a pioneer of the sport. He's in politics right now. I don't even know if he wants to fight again. But as much as like when I initially laughed it off, I did look a little bit more into this fight just because I was I, I did the article, so I was like, all right, let me look it up. Tito 
believe it or not, T. Ortiz is only two years older than Romero, which shocked the hell out of me. He's um, he's 45, and Romero's 43. So he's only two years older, which shocked me. I couldn't believe that when I saw it. I thought he'd be way older. Only two-year age difference, which is crazy. The other thing is, Tito's actually won three straight fights. And, you know, the the uh, wins were in over great opposition. Uh, Chuck Liddell, the ghost of Chuck Liddell, Albro Del Rio, and Kabachi, and uh, what was the other win? I think Chael Sonnen, right? So not great wins. Guys are kind of washed up and stuff. But he is on a three-fight win streak. So it's not like he's on a ten-fight losing streak. That's why I could see this fight potentially happening if they paid Romero enough money. I think Romero would, wouldn't mind taking that payday to beat up Ortiz. The thing is, I think that Kombachi wouldn't want him for just one fight. They'd probably want him for multiple fights. But I don't think this would be a terrible marriage. I'm just not sure if this would be the right fight because I don't think Tito's going to take that fight. It'd be a really dangerous fight for Tito, you know, at this point in his career. I think he's more into the political side of things right now. And I think his MMA career is on hiatus. I I know he has, you know, retired, come back a couple times in his career. I don't know if he will this time. So it's, it's, it's like an option, I guess, but maybe they could find someone else. Maybe they could sign another free agent. I think, you know, considering it's like a Latin American based promotion, Romero would not be the worst guy to have. So there's some intrigue there, but it's, uh, it's this whole T Ortiz Romero fight is, is kind of crazy. Let me get this comment from, uh, Saavedra, cause I missed it. He said that Julian managed to win this with honor. She's a savage on feet, black belt, judo, black belt on the ground, great camp, super wrestler, all of her fights you meant to say, um, I mean, she's good, bro, but I, I really like uh, McFarlane, man. So we'll see what happens, man. It's going to be either me or you, bro. Just kidding. Um, let's go through some news here, guys. Why not, right? So Matt Wyman, he announced his retirement, but he was caught the other day by the UFC. They, they cut five guys. The guys they caught are not good. Saperbeck Safarov, um, Matt Wyman, uh, Luis, Eduardo Garagori. Like, they're guys that are on losing skates and stuff like that. So no, no surprise on the cuts. You, you'll see some more surprising cuts soon, but – I mean, Matt Wyman, you got to love the guy. Great career, but 100%. You, you need, I'm glad he retired. You know, it would have been nice if he retired before they cut him, but either way, he's done with MMA. And uh, he actually had a 10 8 record in the UFC. So, you know, you look at that last loss, he got KO'd by Levitt in just devastating fashion. But overall, he had a 10 8 record in his career and he won six bonuses in his career. So, Matt Wyman did pretty good, I think. Uh, congratulations, Matt Wyman, on a really good career, a career that started in the UFC with a Flying knee knockout loss to Spencer Fisher in 26, 2006. 14 years later, ends up retiring after a 10 and 8 run in the UFC. That's not bad. Vittori's pissed off at the rankings, and I don't blame him. It is stupid. Like, what did Till do to deserve number, being number four in the rankings? I don't get it. He has the win over, what, Kelvin? So why is he ranked number four? Because he had a close fight with Whitaker. He lost. I don't get it. Uh, Till is a good fighter, but I don't know, man. That's that's a little surprising to me. Vittori should be ranked above him. Vittori should probably be the number four guy right now. Um, he should have just taken Hermanson's spot. I'm a little confused by that, but don't like arguing about the rankings too much. Um, let's see here. Henry Sue and Garbrandt were going back and forth. I, I think Triple C is coming back for sure. It seems like him and Figueroa want to fight. So, you know, if Figueroa goes out there and, and beats uh, Moreno this weekend, Maybe he calls him Cejudo. It seems like he wants to – he said he wanted to beat the crap out of him, right? So that'd be – I mean, you talk about the best flyweight fight you can make. There's no doubt it would be Henry Cejudo versus Figueredo. I'd rather see that than Garbrandt. Garbrandt – I think Garbrandt should get a win in that division first, to be honest with you. Like, he knocked out a sunset. It was, it was a nice knockout. But before I lost three straight fights, never won at 125. Never made that weight. Cole interviewed JDS. He said he's not worried about being cut. But you know what? He probably should be. 
because as much as I love JDS, you know, he makes a lot of money. He's on three fights skid. He's been knocked out in three straight fights. He goes in there and gets KO'd by Khan. He could be cut. And if he gets cut, that would don't be surprised if he gets cut, guys. Don't be like, oh, this is terrible. You know, the UFC screwed me as a former champion. It's just part of the sport, man. You uh, you cycle through the fighters. You're always looking for the best guy. Right now, JDS is not the best heavyweight. He is top 10 in the world, so we'll give him that. He's a guy I love. He's a Hall of Famer for sure. Got a lot of respect for JDS. But if he loses, I, I think he'll be I think he'll be cut personally because of the, the salary. And Dana White said the other day uh, to Junkie, he's like, it's nothing. The, the cuts are not money-related. They're not financially motivated. They have everything to do with guys, uh, too many guys on the roster, and, and just the records and stuff like that. It has nothing to do with money. I don't really believe that for a second. Dana thinks we're all dumb and stuff. Come on. Come on, Dana. That's that's BS. I can't wait for this fight, Ferguson Oliveira. Let's go down through a little bit more. I mean, McGregor, my God, he looked good. He looks great. But I think Poirier still got a chance in that fight. I don't think it's as big of a mismatch as the odds are saying. Clarissa Shields told MMA fans to bow down. Uh, Tom Taylor at BJ Penn actually did an interview with her for Bleacher Report. And uh, she basically said, like, if you don't know who I am, you will, and you'll bow down to me and stuff. Uh, I'll be honest, though, based on the traffic numbers, no one seems to care about Clarissa Shields in the MMA world right now. Traffic is not good for her articles. Like, even the one where she got signed. I don't think people really know who she is in MMA. You know, even someone like me who's worked in the business for a long time, like, I'm not super familiar with Clarissa Shields other than her being a boxer. Um, I know she's a great boxer, but, man, she's so unproven in MMA. She has, she's done nothing. So, I like the cockiness. I don't mind that. I think that's good. John Cavanaugh's he's bashing her, but I don't mind the cockiness, man. I'm pretty sure Connor's told people that, too. So, I don't know about that, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, she'll do well in PFL. That's a good place for her to start because uh, she'll fight some low-level competition. But, you know, she says like stuff like this. So people will read what she says. They And so they can either love her or hate her. I mean, that'd be a great fight. I love that Figueredo and Cejudo fight. Um, that's funny. Yeah, Ostevich got cut too. Anyways, that's, that's going to be it for Yeah, the cuts I had down there. Okay, that's it for news. Let's get those fight announcements. Actually, wait. I gotta talk about this card first, UFC 256, because we did have uh, uh, an extra fight come in. I forgot to break this down. Me and Cole, it broke like an hour after me and Cole finished the podcast on Tuesday. So let's do this one. Sam Hughes against Tisha Torres. Also, I should mention Dwight Grant and Lee Jingland. That fight's off the card. They couldn't find an opponent for for Lee Jingland, unfortunately. So probably rebook for 2021. All right. So this is the new fight in the card, and right now the odds uh, between these two. It opened at Torres minus 450, Hughes uh, plus 350. And right now it's minus 45 plus 350. So just more juice on uh, Tisha Torres. And by all counts, I'm she should win this fight. This is kind of an easy fight for her. Um, Tisha Torres, tiny, tiny tornado. We know her. She's been around the UFC for a long time. She had the four-fight losing skate. But if you look closer, the losses were not that bad. They were all to like elite, like championship-level fighters. So she gets a win in her last against Van Buren as an underdog. Nice win there. And now she takes on Hughes. She was, she was supposed to take on Angela Hill. That would have been a much more competitive fight. This fight, I mean, listen, Hughes is not a bad signing, 5-1. I, I don't like her nickname, though, Sandpage. It's kind of lame. It's a dumb, dumb nickname, 28 years old. She's coming off a nice win in her last fight against uh, uh, Daniel Hindley by guillotine choke. Literally choked her out the bell. It was a nasty choke. But two fights ago, got submitted by Vanessa Demopoulos, and we saw her on Contender Series, and she just got basically grinded out by uh, Corey McKenna. And... You know, she's not that great. And she actually lost her last fight, too, against Lupita uh, Benitez. So, to me, like that's that was two fights ago. That's a little concerning. 
and I know it was a submission and, and Torres is more of a gra- uh, striking based fighter, but still uh, losing to someone like Demopoulos, who I don't think is that great is, is an issue. And look at her other wins. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. I, she's been a pro for two years. I mean, good for this girl, man. She made it to the UFC in a short amount of time. So good for her. There must be something here. And that choke was nasty. But to me, this is a mismatch. Tisha Torres wins. I'll take her by decision, though. That's how she wins most of her fights. Tisha Torres by decision. And we don't have a prop on that, unfortunately. But that's probably how she wins that fight, guys, if, you had to, if uh, I had to ask. Now, let's do some fight now before I get out of here. Go to Marcel's page. This guy always kills it. I've already talked about this fight, Chris Weidman and Uriah Hall, I, I think, a few weeks ago. I like the fight. Uh, it's a rematch. They fought back in, was it, uh, one of the, bring a combat back in 2010, I think, and Weidman knocked out Hall. And obviously, Weidman went, went on to become a UFC champion. Hall kind of struggled. Now it's like the opposite a little bit. Weidman's actually struggling, and, and Hall's looking a little better lately. So, interesting fights. Uh, don't know if the odds are out. I don't think they are, but. It's an interesting fight. Honestly, I think Hall should be favored here. Even though he got knocked out the first time these guys fought, it's very hard to trust Chris Weidman with that chain at this point in his career. So I, I think Hall should be favored in that fight. This fight, uh, you talk about loser leaves town. I mean, this is probably going to be one of those fights. John uh, John Castanaga against Eddie Wineland. Eddie Wineland coming off an absolutely this brutal loss to Sean O'Malley. Just got starched in that fight. Veteran of the sport. I mean, he's, listen, the guy's got some nice wins. Great knockouts over his career. I love the guy, Eddie Wineland. Great mustache. Been in the UFC for 10 years, man. So credit to this dude. But, you know, at this point in his career, like, I don't know how much he has left. And Castaneda, he did lose his uh, UFC debut to Nathaniel Wood, but it was, a, it was a really good fight. And, you know, I, he's a lot younger, obviously. Uh, you look at the age difference, seven-year age difference. And, you know, he, he's got a lot of experience. So I actually think that uh, the odds will be close, but I kind of like Castaneda in that one. Again, fight's, what, two months away? Got time to think about it, but that'd be my lean right now. This fight, Irwin Vera against Ray Rodriguez, again, loser leaves town in this fight. There's a lot of these fights that are going to come up. Like almost every fight now that Dana said they're cutting 60 guys, I'm like, all right, the loser of this fight is being released. Now, in this case, Irwin Rivera, he's kind of struggled in the UFC. He's got a couple losses. Um, he did beat Al- Ali Akiesi, but I think overall he's 1-2 in the UFC, if I'm mistaken. And then, yeah, 1-2. And, and then Ray Rodriguez, he got knocked out, uh, I think, in his one fight, right? Or did he lose the decision? I can't remember what it was. I'll check that again. Ray Rodriguez, the judge, didn't he get finished? Uh, yeah, Kelleher choked him. That was a chokeout in the first round. So it's a guy who got a lot of experience, but you know, I, I still feel like uh, Rivera with the more UFC experience and more success in the UFC probably should be favored here. It's a close fight, though, but I think the loser gets cut. This fight we just talked about. I love this fight. Adrian Yanez against Gustavo Lopez. I love this fight. Yanez has looked incredible. Uh, in contender series, UFC looked great. That last fight, I think it was this guy, right? Victor Rodriguez KO'd him. Brutal fashion, the head kick. It was so nasty. He's good, man. Like him. But I like Lopez, too. He looked great against Anthony Burchak. Finished him. He was an underdog, I think, in that fight. In that fight. This is definitely a, another competitive fight. but Because I think Lopez is underrated. But I like Yanez a lot. And I think he'll be favored in this fight. Just don't count Lopez completely. He's not bad. David Zawada against Ramazan Amiv, not a bad fight either. Zawada, 1-2 in the UFC, Amiv, 4-1. Uh, Zawada's had some nice fights, like exciting fights, but Amiv, you know, even though he's the more, like, more boring fighter of the two, he's just more well-rounded and a little bit more successful at this level of the sport. I would favor uh, Amiv, although I, he, hasn't had a, he hasn't had a fight in a while. I think his last fight against uh, Anthony Rocco Martin was it, like in Russia last year when Rocco started crying afterwards because his mom was dying, I think. 
that was like a year ago, so it's been a while. This fight's interesting. Omar Akhmedov against Tom Breeze. Tom Breeze is going to get a chance to bring into the rankings against number 12, Akhmedov, who is 7-4-1 in the UFC, and Breeze 5-2. and Akhmedov has had more success in the UFC. He has probably better wins on paper. Alassane, Cummings, Hines, good wins, but he's a little bit older, obviously, than Breeze, four years older. Breeze, last fight, man, that was a devastating knockout over Katie Buller. Knocks him out with a jab. So I know that was a guy who was making his debut and everything, but it was a beautiful knocker win. I uh, This is a close one too, but you know, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if the odds are really close or or, or, or even, in fact, Menov could be favored potentially, but you know, Breeze, there's a lot to like about him. He's a big guy. If he's there mentally, he should win this fight. We talked about this one in the past too, Gaslam and Heinish. Uh, I like this fight. This, this was announced a few weeks ago. Uh, I think Gaslam probably be favored, but uh, Heinish is no slouch. Good fight. I like the matchup. This one's interesting. Shayna Dobson coming off that win over Agapova against Casey O'Neill. She's making her debut. She's really young. Wow, 97, so 23 years old. Uh, don't know a ton about her. She's got five wins in her career and no losses. Uh, Dobson, listen, man, you got to give her credit that last fight. She was getting her ass kicked, came back and won in devastating fashion against someone who was minus 1,000. So you got to give her credit. Biggest upset in UFC history. So I'll give her credit, but I'm still going to fade her probably against anyone going forward who has a pulse. I, I just, I'm still convinced she's great. And I think that uh, O'Neill could be uh, someone who, someone special in this division. I got to look at her a little bit more, but right now it'd be my lean. Uh, but I got to give Dobson credit, man. All the credit in the world for that upset. I just, I'm not convinced that she's really has truly turned the page. I think that was more about Agapova completely gassing out in that fight than Dobson like being this incredible fighter now. This fight I did talk about a little bit the other day. It's, uh, Gonna take place next week, Robertson and Santos. I think we have odds for that. Let me take a look here. Odds, yeah, minus one twenty, plus one hundred for Robertson. So slightly towards the Canadian. Close fight there. That was rebooked as well. Cody Durden, man, he got pink eye. Poor guy, Jimmy Flick. I think he'll probably be a small favorite still. And then this was one fight that was announced last week, and I haven't had a chance to talk about. I absolutely love this fight too. This is a great fight, Dominic Cruz. He is coming off the loss to Cejudo, hasn't fought since May. Um, and it, it actually almost a year between fights. Like, he doesn't fight much. That's the problem. But we all know Cruz is, is a legend, and he's a student of the game. He's always in great shape. There's a lot to like about Dominic Cruz. I mean, he's a former champion for a reason. He is one of the best bandweights of all time. He'll be in the Hall of Fame one day, I'm sure. They love him at the UFC. Uh, but I'm extremely high on Casey Kenny. And that last fight with Wood was a beautiful fight. And the wins, look at these other wins, Royville, Borg. Like he's got great wins, man. He's been nothing but impressive. I love Casey Kenny. This is a huge step up against a former champion in Cruz. No doubt about it. But it just shows the UFC likes this guy, man. To me, it's like the fact they're putting putting against Dominic Cruz, they're saying, go for it. Let's see how, you, how good you really are, Casey. And I think this could be his coming out party, man. Like I really think this kid could be the next TJ Dillashaw. And with his striking attack, with his grappling, um, just hopefully he doesn't start uh, taking PEDs like TJ did. But man, I, I like uh, I like this kid a lot. Um, you know, as far as the odds go, I it's hard to speculate on this one because I think people will fade Cruz, the layoff and, and everything like that. But I I still feel he'll get some respect because he's Dominic Cruz. So the odds should be close, but I, I like Kenny. I wouldn't be surprised if Kenny is favored. Actually, here's another fight: Julian Marquez against Macatolo. This guy. Marquez hasn't fought in forever. He just uh, had a fight canceled a few weeks ago. But you got to love him. And then Batolo um, struggled really bad in the UFC 1-3. I'm surprised they're giving him another shot. But you know what? To be fair, this guy, he's always answering the call and taking fights when the UFC asks. you got to go with Marquez, I think, as the favorite there in that fight. 
I think that will be it. Oh, yeah, and this one, the last one to talk about. Jerome Rivera against Francisco Figueredo. If you recognize the last name, there's a reason for that. It's because it's Davison's brother, Francisco. And, man, this guy is uh, hes nasty, man. He, you know, he's been fighting as a pro for almost 10 years and coming to UFC on, on a little bit of an unbeaten streak. So I'm excited to see him in the UFC. I don't know if he's as good as his brother. I mean, if he was, he'd be the champion right now. But I'm excited to see him. And then Rivera, he had a fighting contender series, and uh, he's in the UFC now. Not, I'm not sure what to expect from him in this fight. This is a, this is an interesting fight. It's probably the classic, you know, just watch and not bet kind of fight. But you know, just based on the last game, I would figure figure it would probably be favored in that fight. Got a few minutes left. Anyone has any questions? Throw them out there. I'll answer them right now. Going to see if I uh, missed anything. Uh, let's see here. I mean, I, I I think I've talked about everything I want to. Let me plug some of my stuff here. Quad.com. I did an article, and you guys are going to laugh, but Jake Paul, whose next fight's going to be? You can laugh. It's okay. I'm going to laugh too, but, I mean, listen, man. Oh, let's watch this. Oh, this was just, wow. That was just so brutal. That, that poor guy. Look at Nate. Oh, oh, man. That was so brutal, guys. Anyways, the there's odds on him and who he could fight next. Dylan Dance is the favorite. Like he's an underdog, but he's the favorite compared to the other fighters at plus one fifty. I just don't see that fight happening, just because Dylan, he's in Bellator. I don't think Bellator would let him out of his deal to fight Jake unless it was on the zone and Bellator got to cut the money. But I still don't think that Dennis is that like big name that he thinks he is. I know he's got a lot of followers and stuff, but I don't know, man. This guy just. He doesn't really do it for me, guys, Dylan Danis. Uh, when he has fought in MMA, he's looked good. He has two fights in MMA. He hasn't fought in, like, what, a year and a half now? He doesn't fight. He's a, he's a guy who's always on Twitter talking smack. Seems like a keyboard warrior, you know? He does have two fights, so you got to give him that, I guess. But he barely fights. He barely fights. So I just don't see that fight happening. To me, there's no value. Like I said here, I, I would say he's, like, a 10% chance of, of getting that fight, not 40% like the odds are indicating. Now, this one... I like this one, KSI plus 180, because the books are giving him about a 35% chance, but I think it's a 50-50 chance. I think he either fights KSI or he fights someone else. So, you know, you, if you're a guy, someone who likes futures, this is someone to take a look at, plus 180 KSI. Because I do think he'll probably be fighting Jake next, considering he just knocked, or not, didn't knock his brother, he won a split decision. But he's obviously fought Logan twice, once uh, in a white-collar match, and then once in a pro match. I think Jake makes sense. And uh, I think Jake would be favored if they had that fight. We've seen Jake and his knockout power. I don't mind this fight. I mean, listen, it's not everyone's cup of tea, guys. I get that people don't love this. But I'll be honest, it's giving me a reason to tune back into boxing because other than, like, the big names, I'm not a boxing, like, aficionado by any means. And I'll watch the big fights. I always do. Or guys that, you know, someone's like, hey, this is a great prospect watching. I'll watch that stuff. But in general... You know, I feel like these YouTubers, as much as people like to laugh at it, they're bringing faces back and bringing name, bringing name value back to boxing, bringing money back to boxing. Listen, Mike Tyson was the one who was like, you know, these are the guys that we should be thanking. If Mike Tyson says that, I can say it too. So no problem with me saying that. Uh, and I, I feel like this would be a good bet though. The other one, <laughs> Conor McGregor plus 1400. And again, the odds are saying he's about a 7% chance of getting this fight with Paul, but... <laughs> I think the uh, percentage should be lower, like 1%. I just – I couldn't see this happening anytime soon. I'm not saying this would never happen. I do think Jake Paul could eventually fight Conor McGregor in boxing, but not anytime soon. 
it would happen like a few years down the road. And probably when Connor is not with the UFC any longer, somehow he retires or he gets out of his deal. But in general, you know, or the UFC, like they take a cut of it, like they did with the Floyd fight and be a co-promoter. So it's possible down the road, but it's not going to be his next fight. That's the value right there. The other, the other article was uh, Mike Tyson. I also did one for him. What are, what are the odds on who his next opponent's going to be? Mike and uh, Roy. I mean, look, like, like, for a guy who's 54, he, he didn't look too bad. He's way better shape than I am. So, you know, credit to Mike, man. He looked, he looked pretty sharp. I think Roy had a really poor performance in that fight. I know it was a draw, but uh, I think we all thought Mike Tyson should have won. But he looked pretty good. He looked sharp. Now, we could bet on who he's going to fight next. And it's got to be Holyfield, right? Like, and right now, minus 150. That's if, you, if your book offers this bet, I would take this bet at minus 150 because it should be like minus like what, like minus 400 or something like that. Because to me, he's a much bigger favorite to be the next fighter uh, who's going to step in there with Tyson. Holyfield's called him out. Tyson's called Holyfield out. They obviously have history. They fought twice. We know what happened with the ear biting incident 23 years ago, 1997. And I think 23 years later, we might see it, 24 years later, actually, in the next year, we might see this fight. So there's value here, minus 150. If you're a prop better of futures and stuff like that, this would be something that, something that I definitely would take a shot on. Because I, I really... I don't really see another matchup for it. I said 80%. The more I think about it, it's probably like 90%. Now, another opponent, this one is a slight possibility. Just because, listen, Lennox Lewis is, first off, he's an incredible fighter too, man. is a fought in a while, uh, 2003. He actually hasn't fought even longer than Tyson. So, you know, that actually could work in his favor in getting this fight. And, and Holyfield also hasn't fought in forever as well. Um, but I still feel like, generally, fans media and the fighters themselves they seem to be more interested in tyson holyfield I, I do think lewis has a shot of being the uh the opponent though so i said here the odds are saying 25 percent. that's too high i said 10 percent. it's probably a little bit lower than that like i said now that i think about it especially now that i wrote this article a couple days ago more articles have come out now about holyfield saying that they're close to getting this fight book so i think it's more like 90 percent. so i'd probably put lewis about five percent so i wouldn't touch this myself but, you know, he's, a, he's got a chance. There's an outside chance it could be Lewis. The one guy who won't be is going to be Anthony Joshua. There's, there's no way this fight's happening. The fact they put these odds, though, is crazy. Plus 5,000. Yeah, I mean, just, I'd rather bet on Logan Paul being Floyd Mayweather than be betting on this. This isn't happening. I even said right here, he's a huge long shot. The odds are saying 2% chance of being his opponent. I think it's one percent, less than one, so there's no value there. And then I had one more in Canelo Alvarez, and... Uh, and one on Figueredo. So I'll read that two reasons why I think Davis and Figueroa will beat Brandon Moreno. Spoiler alert, I do think he probably wins that fight. Anyways, that's going to be it for today's show, guys. Got to an hour and uh, pretty much talked out. So I appreciate everyone who did tune in today for the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed Bellator 254 tonight, Thursday night. Again, Cage Warriors, and we talked about the start time, 3 p.m. Eastern on Fight Pass. That's today, tomorrow, and on Saturday. So three Cage Warriors events, Bellator events, UFC event. There's going to be a lot to talk about next week. I can't wait. But, you know, the sad thing is we're almost done 2020 MMA. We got this card uh, this week for UFC guys and then next week. The Kamayev and Ed, or it's not Kamayev and Edwards anymore. I shouldn't say that. The Neil and Thompson card. That's the last card of the year. And I do think we have a rising card on New Year's, I believe. So there's going to be that too. But next week basically is it. As far as the podcast goes, I'll still be doing the podcast twice a week. I'll just uh, talk about news and fight announcements and stuff like that. And I'm sure they'll make a lot of uh, news over the holidays as far as future fights and stuff goes. So check that out. Um, but in the meantime, you guys can follow me on Twitter at MMAdamMartin, uh, podcast, MMAoddsBreaker.com. 
YouTube channel, as you guys know, subscribe, hit that button, like, share, tell your friends about it, guys. The more the merrier, I think, in the podcast. So appreciate that. And then uh, we're all saying, right? DJPen.com, MMARings.net, odds.com. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy all the fights, guys. And I'll be back on Tuesday morning with Cole to break down the next UFC card. See ya. Bye.